Hey guys, Joe Wolverton, teacher of Liberty here with you today. Okay, guys, today I'm going to zig when I planned on zagging. I had a an episode ready. I had a subject ready. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'll I'll do it later and if I tell you some of you are like, "Why didn't you do that one today?" But I'm going to do something today that frankly, I'm going to be real up front with y'all. Um, when I was planning today's episode, today's story, felt good about it. It's a good story and lots of good uh, lessons to be learned, but it just felt a bubble off plum. You know what I mean? Y'all know what, y'all know what that means? A bubble off plum. It just felt a little, I mean, it felt good as far as like, you know, good story and all that stuff, but it just felt a bubble off plum. And so I was praying about it and thinking about it. And then, you know, just one of those things like, you know, you, you, you pray and then you get to work. You know what I mean? So I was praying and then I was just doing my work, the, the work I actually get paid for. And it came into my mind the, like, the night before I'm recording this, it came into my mind. And it was like, there's something you could do that would be different and maybe beneficial so it came into my mind I'm gonna do that thing and if y'all don't like this format I want to hear from you I'm not gonna do this every week so don't be afraid that this is gonna be uh not every uh, twice a week this isn't gonna be the way Joey you know runs the show all the time but I felt inspired to do it this way today and we're gonna see what y'all think Okay, and I, I like I say, I want y'all to f- give me feedback and say, yeah, we really liked how you did that. And again, even if all of you loved it, I'm not going to do it every episode because I, I, I don't think that's or not. I don't think I do not want that to be what this podcast is. I want it to be stories from history, principles from, that we just never get taught anymore. Today's going to be one of those things. Definitely one of those things we're never taught anymore. And as I see things going in the world, I can see that um, this is becoming a lesson today, uh, which will be, what, Thursday when it shows? That is really necessary. So, without further ado, not adieu, remember? Adieu means bye in French. Adieu means what? Carry on in uh, English. So, without further ado... Let's get it. Let's go. All right. So today I will be first. You know what I'm going to do first? Guess what? Just came into my head. So as a former professor, when I was a college professor, I got put on lists that send me books for free. Now, most of those places do not do that still because I'm not a college professor anymore. So I don't really get a lot of free books. I get some free books to review for the magazine that I write for, The New American. Go there if you want to read my, I don't want to say political because it's not really political, but if you want to read my constitute, you know, my take on things through a constitutional lens, take on current events through a constitutional lens, thenewamerican.com. Look for an article that I wrote there. And then if you click on my name at the top of the article, it'll show you all the articles which are in the thousands and thousands. Don't, don't, don't bother. But guess what I'm going to do for you? 
There is a Princeton, uh, Princeton University Press still sends me free stuff. Now, I contacted them several months ago and probably a year ago now and said, hey, you know, I'm not a professor. Y'all are still sending me stuff. And they're like, you know what, Joey? We like you, buddy. They, they didn't say that. They said, yeah, we don't care. It's more hassle to take you off the list than to just keep you. So I'm like, hey, you're Princeton. You got money to burn. Plus, little Jimmy, James Madison, went to Princeton. Ain't that right? Yes, sir. I mean, wouldn't that be a freaky if he had nodded right when I said that? I should have, like, dang, I should have had, like, a stick and, like, just, like, hit the shelf and made him go like that. And you ought to be like, oh, my goodness, James Madison alive, though. You wouldn't have done that at all. I would have done that if I saw someone else's podcast. I'd have been like, James Madison bobbleheads, he bobbled. All right. So, Princeton has money to burn. They send me free stuff. Today, like just literally right before I started to record this, I got a haul in of three books from Princeton. Now, I know probably what they're from because I got a couple already. So I'm imagining this is probably still their same series. And want to do an unboxing real quick with me? Want to do an unboxing? I mean, you know, I, I don't... Uh, it's not going to be like an iPad. It's going to be a book. But all right, so here we go. This is the first one. I'm not going to, like, show the front of it. Because, okay, I'm not that guy that thinks I'm going to have people come into my house and stuff. But... I know people well enough. I don't think that no one will, you know, that anyone will show up at my house saying, hi, Joey, can we have your autograph or can we kidnap you? And, and I know that uh, that is not my worry. My worry is people sending me obscenity, not like, you know, I've, you know what I'm saying? People being, trying to be funny and, you know, they send you stuff you shouldn't have. So here's the box coming from Princeton. They use this company called Ingram to send their stuff out so let's unbox this baby what do you say okay so let's see how can i unbox it and not make it Ooh, was that loud is that what do they call that that asmr or something i don't know some of you are like it's arsm joey whatever you know what i'm talking about that stuff where they're like i i probably didn't even work i don't know how as element op LGBTQ, I don't know how it works. Okay, so here's the, I've unboxed, well, you know, I've, I've uh, opened the box. I don't, you know. Is it my lack of professionalism as a podcaster that brings you back? So here's a little, hey, we sent you something free, which is always cool. All right, you ready? This is what I, and yes, it is part of the same series. All right, here we go. This is from Princeton University Press. And it is called How to Stop a Conspiracy. So what this is, is this is a new translation and sort of abridgment of Roman historian Sallust's his uh, war with Catiline. Catiline was a, fam a guy famous in Rome for starting a conspiracy that involved Cicero, Julius, the story. I'll do a Catiline conspiracy story on the podcast, but there you go. This is their new series. I, I can't remember what it's called. It's like their Ancient Wisdom series, I think it's called. Yeah. And they all look kind of like this. And I'll unbox a couple more and you can see. So this one, the first one, How to Stop a Conspiracy. There you go. 
And that's Salas War with Catiline. All right. Box number one. Box number one is done. Box number one is done. You see, I should have used that money that you gave me. What money? For singing lessons. Everybody wants me to learn. Learn how to sing. All right. Ugh. Well, I must say, I have a friend who watches the podcast and comments, Mike uh, Levitt, who is an actual singer. And then I think when he found out that I actually sang in a band, he was like, Ooh, whoa, must have been a real dearth of talent where you're from. All right, here's number two of the unboxing. I hope the ASM Elemental P is coming through. How to Do the Right Thing by Seneca. So this is a Seneca is a famous Stoic philosopher. I guess I need to hold it up, right? So Seneca, famous Stoic philosopher. This is a new translation and a re, you know, sort of an abridgment. Uh, selected, translated, and introduced. An ancient guide to treating people fairly. How to do the right thing. Oh, the other one. Did I hold it up right? I don't know. How to stop a conspiracy. Subtitle, an ancient guide to saving a republic. All right, last one. Y'all ready? And yes, I'm going to actually get to a lesson, but I figured... Why not unbox some stuff? People unbox things on YouTube. I can unbox. People unbox things. I can unbox them too. Quit telling me what to do. You're not my boss. You're not the boss of me. All right. Did that ASMR y'all? I don't know. Okay. There you go. That, I'm sure that had to do. If that. I don't know. I'm doing this and people are like. Wow, you are worse than we even bargained for. All right, and it's the last one from today's haul. How to be a leader, an ancient guide to wise leadership, which is selections and a new translation of Plutarch's lives. So these are going to be just selections from different biographies included in his Parallel Lives by Plutarch. How to be a leader, an ancient guide to wise leadership. All right. That's my haul. That's my unboxing. I just did an unboxing video. I'm go it's going to go viral. I, I don't know what to do now. I'm, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be so famous. I, I did an unboxing video and I did asthma. As, as land. Now I'm going to be famous. I said Aslan and now all the Narnia people. Oh my goodness, I don't know if I'm ready for this fame. All right, did you enjoy the unboxing? Probably not. Did I do the ASMR? Probably not. Um, do you know what though? It is what it is, I'm 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 just a, a bit of, you know what, let's do this. So this is the one, I'm just gonna take this one. How to be a leader, an ancient guide to wise leadership. All right, see how many pages it is of actual text, you know what I mean? Oh, brilliant, I forgot that these have the, Greek on one side and the English on the other. I, I do read Koine Greek and Latin, so that'll be fun. It's nice to check and see how I would translate it. Um, it has 300 and of actual text, because it has like, um, you know, like an appendix and glossary and whatnot. So 339. Today, it's August, what is today? August 20, on Thursday, be the 24th. Yeah. All right, let's look at page 24 and see what we got. Hopefully it's past the... I'm hopeful that it's past the introduction. All right, here we go. Page 24 is in Greek. I won't read it to you in Greek because you guys will be like, 
just seriously, Joey, stop. All right, you ready? I'm just going to read to you from the first complete sentence. Or consider Cato the Younger at Utica. Following their defeat in battle, he ordered that everyone be sent to the coast, and after embarking them on ships and praying for good sailing, he returned to his quarters and committed suicide. Thus he has taught us on whose behalf a leader ought to be afraid, and what things a leader ought to scorn. But Clearchus, the tyrant of Heraclea Pontica, used to curl himself into a box like a snake when he went to sleep. And Aristodemus of Argos used to go up into a room on the second floor through a trap door, and after moving his bed on top of the door, he would sleep there. I, you know, it, I wish it had been a different day. <laughs> Not inspiring at all. And here comes the pitch. Swing and a miss. 0-1. All right, here we go. Today's lesson. On this day in 1721, well, on August 26th of 1721, Trenchard and Gordon published Cato's letter number 42. It was Saturday, August 26th, 1721. Cato's letter number 42 called Consideration on the Nature of Laws, written by Thomas Gordon. Now, I'm going to go through this with you. So what I would do if I were you, I would pause this video right now. And I would, whether it be on your interwebs, your phone, your, your tablet, your, your book, if you have one of those, go to Cato. I would pause it right here. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I would pause the video. I would find Cato's letter number 42, Considerations on the Nature of Laws. And I would find that and then, un and then come back and push play. I'm going to go through this with you, talk about it, explain it, see if we get through it. I want you to see, this is how I would do in class. If I were in class, which I have been right for years and years, and the kids want to read Cato's letters, which often they did because Cato's letters are in fuego. This is how we would do it. I mean, I wouldn't be the only one reading, but we can't do that in this form. I'm going to do a live, by the way. I don't know when yet. But I'm going to do a live and then just post it for those of y'all who can't be there live. I'm going to have to figure out the the um, meets and bounds of doing a live and how to, you know, make it good for everybody. But nonetheless, let's do this. So push pause and then go get Cato's letter number 42. So push pause. Okay. I had to stop. My eyes were getting uh, dry. All right, sir. So here we go. I'm just going to read it, and we're going to talk about it as we go. So just sit right back, and you'll hear a tale. No, that was last time, Joey. You can't do Gilligan's Island twice. Shout out to Ben McClintock for getting the Gilligan's Island reference. Although no one got the reference I made to the league with regard to El Notario, if none of you've ever watched The League, no one got the El Notario reference. So, minus 2,000 for those of you scoring at home. All right, here we go. Cato's letter number 42, consideration on the nature of laws. Nothing, and I mean nothing, could be more 
appropriate, more timely than this. Okay? And just think, 300 years ago, 302 years ago. All right. Sir, the mischiefs that are daily done and the evils that are daily suffered in the world are sad proofs how much human malice exceeds human wisdom. Is there, okay, so we, we do not have a difference in that. We have not improved. Human, we look around and the evils done every day and the suffering of people around the world are still, 302 years later, sad proofs that human malice exceeds human wisdom. Law only provides against the evils which it knows or foresees. But when law f laws fail, we must have recourse to reason and nature, which are the only guides in making of laws. Now, guys, he is setting you up. This is what your English teacher would call your thesis statement. This is Thomas Gordon's. He's like, okay, first of all, humans are terrible. We treat each other poorly. People suffer. We do evil. That's just how it is. Sometimes there is no law against something because it's something so evil that we have not foreseen it or known it before. And in those cases, we still have to have some way of addressing that act. And he says the way we do that, reason and nature. We have reason, and he's going to go into what that means. But when there are no laws, that doesn't change anything as far as is something right or wrong. And this is his thesis statement, and that the only guide we should have in the making of laws is reason, you know, common sense, good thinking, conscience, and nature, you know the things we can observe to be true. All right, here we go. I'm not going to read the Latin, by the way. So if you're looking through and you're following, I'm skipping the Latin because I don't want anybody to like bounce out because I'm reading Latin. I've translated it into English and I've given the citation. I'll tell you where. So, reason in nature, the only good guides in making of laws. The root of law is planted in nature, says Cicero on the laws, book 123. There never would have been any law, now listen to this, there never would have been any law against any crime if crimes might have been safely committed against their, which there was no law. Do you understand that? There never would have been a law if the thing that was done wasn't considered wrong. Do you see what I'm saying? There never would have been a law written down or a law spoken, or any sort of law, except that someone did something that we're like, mm-mm, we don't, we don't like that thing you did. For every law supposes some evil and can only punish or restrain the evils which already exist. Laws are a reaction to something that has happened. When we make a law against something, now, there's so much in that, guys. 
we do not make predictive laws. We do not make the thinking of something to be a crime. When something that we consider evil is done, then we make a, we, we make a law. Okay? Now, you got to think about that. Think this through with me. If laws are made because something evil is done and we're all like, yeah, we, there's no law against that, but we know that's evil because of reason and nature. We know that's evil. So let's go ahead, make that a law. How is that kill? Is that C Y K K Y K I K I L L? Thou shalt not kill. That doesn't sound right. Murder. Cross that out. Is that muck duck? Muck duck? Mur murder. Murder. Oh, all right, that's harder. Murder. I like it. Why? Because someone murdered somebody. Think about that. If laws are made because evil is done, the more laws you have, the more evil your society is. Guys, you, even in your state, I guarantee you if you live in one of the least populous states, if you live in Nevada, if you live in Wyoming, Montana, I don't know, wherever those least populous states are, I guarantee you have more laws in that state than the number of laws that govern the entirety of the Roman Empire. I guarantee you that now you gotta think what is that every law supposes some evil laws are written to punish or restrain evils which exist guys whoo come on now thomas don't hurt him please hurt him but as positive laws let the oh let them ever be so full and perspicuous what does that mean easily understood Teflon, but I deteflon it for you. You're welcome. But positive laws, let them be ever so full and easily understood. They can never entirely prevent the arts of crafty men to evade them or the power of great ones to violate them. Hence, new laws are daily making and new occasions for making them are daily arising. Every day, we are so evil and thinking up new ways to be evil to each other that you cannot make a law at so complete, so well-crafted, so well-written that would prevent someone who clever enough, crafty enough, to find a way around it or so well written so well crafted that some powerful powerful person couldn't find a way to violate it and not be punished this is why I mean you think about it in your in your own life my parents went on holiday once with my aunts came to visit they went on holiday. I forgot where they went. Italy. We were living in, in Europe. Don't get 
think we're like Richie's. But they go on holiday. They leave my sister and I alone for like a week at home. Now, would I have preferred my parents leave me a list of the only things I was allowed to do? Like, if it wasn't on this list, I couldn't do it. Or would I have preferred my parents leave me a list of things I was not allowed to do? Obviously, every teenager would prefer the list of things you're not allowed to do. Because why? Because of exactly what Thomas Gordon just wrote. Number one, there is nothing on that list that I wouldn't have been crafty enough to evade, to get around. You can't have parties in the house. Um, it was in the backyard. You can't spend your money on junk food. Um, it had pepperoni. Um, it was made of a potato. Okay, potatoes, a vegetable. You know, it doesn't. So it came in a bag. It's a vegetable. Vegetables, by definition, aren't junk food, Mom. Do you see what I'm saying? So if they would have listed only the things I. You can't do it unless we've written it down. That'd be terrible, right? Because I'd have to confine myself to that. Because to not do that would be what? To violate it, and I wasn't powerful over my parents, right? Nor should I have been. But the point is, there's no... You can't write a law, man, that's going to keep people from finding ways around it, and that's going to prevent powerful people from ignoring it altogether. So when you say, I think if we just had a, a new amendment to the Constitution that said we must balance the budget, Congress would then would be forced to do it. Really? They would? Because the Constitution is a list of the only things the government can do, and they don't care. There's no authority to use money for about 90% of the things the government spends money on. And that's already written down. So I don't know why you think you're going to come up with some, hmm, you know what? We're way craftier. We're way smarter and wiser than Madison and them. Yeah, we are. Let's make a new amendment. And you know how we're going to do it? Let's call a convention to do it. Guys, you are never... Because guess what will happen? After that convention, and you find out Congress just doesn't care about your new little balanced budget amendment, guess what? Then people are going to do what? We need a new convention, and it will never end. So rather than try to fix the Constitution, how about we try to follow it first? And then if it doesn't work, we work on something else. But... You know what I'm saying? You're never going to have a law that's going to keep crafty people from getting around it or powerful people from ignoring it. Okay. And we get new laws every day because new evil, new occasions every day. So that the utmost wisdom, virtue, and law can do is to lessen or qualify, but never totally abolish 
vice, and enormity. Now you're like, enormity? This is where you would have to get out a dictionary of the time. Enormity meant corruption and depravity. It did not mean bigness. So you're never going to get a law. Look at what he says, guys. The, the wisest, most virtuous, the best thing a law like that can do is to reduce or put into bounds vice and corruption and depravity. You're not going to get rid of it. It cannot. Why? Because men are just that evil. There are people just that evil in the world. Law is therefore a sign of the corruption of man, and many laws are signs of the corruption of a state, meaning a government. Tacitus, the Roman historian Tacitus, in his book Annals, he writes, the more numerous the laws, the more corrupt the government. And now you should understand that. If you go to class, which heaven forbid you do, but you're in class and your professor or your teacher is like, ah, oh, more, more laws, more corruption. I got that on my daily quotation for my email list for teachers who want to say clever stuff. And you can be like, well, actually, uh, Haas, that was Tacitus, the Roman historian Tacitus. And what he said was the more numerous the laws, the more corrupt the government. And, that, and why is that? Because law is a sign of corruption because we only make laws after something evil has been done and we decide we don't want that evil thing being done again. So if law comes from evil being done, if there's lots of laws, there's lots of evil. So the more laws, the more evil. It just makes sense. And your teacher slash professor be like, um, did you do your homework? Um, is that a number two pencil? You know what I'm talking about. Positive laws derive, here we go. Positive laws deriving their force from the law of nature by which we are directed to make occasional rules, which we call laws, according to the exigencies of times, place, and persons. They grow obsolete or cease to be as soon as they cease to be necessary. Oh my goodness. This is something y'all need to, whoever wants to, you need to contact your congressman. We make those things we call laws, they're occasional. So there's laws of nature that are laws, period, eternal. What goes up must come down, right? It's wrong to kill. It's wrong to steal. Wrong to murder. It's not always wrong to kill. Wrong to steal someone else's property, right? Lots of things that are wrong per se, you know, mala per se, right? Wrong because they're wrong. But then there are these occasional rules we have to make because of times, places, and people. But those occasional rules, which we still call laws, even though they're not the same as natural law. Those, those occasional rules that we call laws, they become obsolete as soon as they cease to be necessary. And listen to, oh my goodness, you see why our founding fathers were... And it is as much against the law of nature to execute laws when the first cause of them ceases 
as it is to make laws for which there is no cause or a bad cause. This would be to subject reason to force and to apply a penalty where there is no crime. 9-11 happens. Guess what we need? We need, says the government, to monitor communication of this group, Al-Qaeda. Well, or the Taliban, or any number of groups. Well, they haven't done anything, but you know what? If, if someone from any of these bad places talks to an American, we need to record that convert just in case. That is against the law of nature to enforce a law when the cause of it ceases or when that law has a bad cause. Guys, do you see why our founding father? It wasn't even a question. This stuff was written 50, this letter, 55 years before the Declaration of Independence. 43 years before the Stamp Act. Do you see? They knew this. This is stuff their mamas read to them. This is stuff their dads read to them. This is mother's milk to them. Do you see how they, they're like, wait a minute. These occasional rules, I get it. Sometimes we have to make occasional rules because of what? The necessities of some time, place, or person. I get that. But then that ceases to be. And you can't carry out that law anymore because the purpose of it is gone. Not only that, England, said our founding fathers, Congress, President, Supreme Court, Governor, State Legislature, Mayor, City Council, School Board, says any one of us today. There, it is against the law of nature to make a law for which there is a bad cause. If you're making up a law that doesn't have to be made, or you're making up a law that doesn't have to be made and you're basing it on something that isn't necessary and isn't punishing a real evil but pretending to or making it up or using the law to punish someone that hasn't done something that natural law would call evil or the rest of us would all say, yeah, our reason, our conscience, that's bad. If you're doing that, you are violating the law of nature. Law is right. You've got to hold them accountable, man. You have got to explain. This is why I'm doing this today. I hope you're taking notes. I hope you're writing this down in your copy. This is the kind of stuff that we have got to raise kids to know. We've got to raise anybody who's interested in tearing down the tyrants that have usurped power over us. We can do what our fathers did. We got to read what our fathers read. Law is right reason, commanding things that are good, forbidding things that are bad. It is a distinction and declaration. So what is law? A distinction and declaration of things that are just and unjust and of the penalties or advantage annexed to them. Right? 
Simple as that. Just and unjust. None of this, I'm going to single them out because of their religion. I'm going to single them out because, in my opinion, they're not qualified to teach their children. So I'm going to put burdens on homeschooling. No, no, no. Per se, contrary to the law of nature. Contrary to the law of nature. Because that is a bad cause. Because teaching your kids at home is natural. Forcing kids to go to school is unnatural. Punishing any parent for choosing to keep their kids out of the indoctrination camp is contrary to law. The violation of law, listen to this, you ready? It gets better. The violation, therefore, of law does not constitute a crime where the law is bad. Push the podium over. Look them in the eye. Molan Labe, man. You feel froggy? Jump. The violation of law that does not constitute a crime... The violation of law does not constitute a crime where the law is bad. But the violation of what ought to be law is a crime even when there is no law. If there's no law telling you to put down your phone and help that person that just got run over instead of Oh my gosh, could you believe this? I'm going to be on the new. No, there's no law. But the violation of what ought to be law is a crime even when there is no law. When there's no law saying, put down the phone and help the person. Use the phone to call 911 instead of recording it. That's still, that's still a crime. The essence of right and wrong does not depend on words and clauses inserted in a code or a statute book, much less upon the conclusions and explications, meaning explanations, of lawyers, but upon reason and the nature of things. I don't care if the bloody Supreme Court says, well, the right of equality, uh, the right of um, equal um, standing under the law means you have to do something that violates your religious principles. No. No, it doesn't. And the essence of right and wrong does not depend on words and clauses in a code or statute book much less upon the conclusions and explanation of lawyers. No. Right and wrong is right and wrong, sir, and you know what it is. You know it. You may deny it because you want to find excuse for your evil. You want to find a, a, a shroud behind which you can commit vile acts. Don't care. You know that it's wrong or you wouldn't put the bloody shroud up to hide it in the first place if there was nothing that was going on that was shameful vile and degenerate at Epstein's Island 
they wouldn't care to release the client book right why why do they not want it released why because because they want it kept hidden why because they know the essence of right and wrong doesn't depend on words and clauses in a code or statute book or the words and conclusions and explanations of lawyers and judges you're guilty of human trafficking oh who are the victims the violation of law does not constitute a crime when that law is bad as Colonel Sidney said that which is not just is not law and that which is not law ought not to be obeyed and the violation of what ought to be a law is a crime even if there is no law if you should do something and you don't because well, the law I don't have to there's no law saying I have to do this that's still a crime my man and if we had a society that wasn't so corrupt that sort of thing would be punished equally with all the other bad stuff but every day new laws because we find new things to make laws about but if a law is bad and I don't I don't know I don't uh, obey that law that's not a crime and our fathers our founding fathers our ancestors believed this do you know why they believed it because they were taught by the person chosen by God to instruct them that is to say chiefly their mother and also their father In all countries, reason is or ought to be consulted before laws are enacted. And they are always worse than none where it is not consulted. Where you just start making laws because you have a guy who's been told, hey, if you write a thing and tell people to do something or not do something, we're going to do that thing and make and punish them if they don't. It's called bureaucrats it means to rule from the desk they're not elected they're not accountable they just say if you dig a pond on your own property and someone tells us about it we're gonna go out and fine you forty thousand dollars a day and if you don't pay that fine within 60 days that's a felony and we'll put you in prison where was this law Oh, it was in the EPA regs. That's, that's not a law. Uh-uh. Because law is based on what? Reason and the nature of things. So having these laws written by these bureaucrats, that's worse than not... That's worse than having no laws at all. You understand? Because if we had no laws at all and you want to dig a pond, dig a bloody pond. As long as it doesn't hurt your neighbor, as long as it doesn't encroach on his property, if it's 100% your property and you're not going to hurt anything, dig a pond, fill it with strawberry jelly, and take yourself a strawberry jelly bath every day. 
If there were no laws, you realize you could do that. But when you have a law that says if you dig up something, if you dig a hole in your own property and you don't have permission from some guy at a desk somewhere, then you will get charged $40,000 a day. This is an actual regulation. And if you fail to pay that fine within 60 days, we will send the sheriff out to arrest you and imprison you. If reason is not consulted, then those laws are worse than none. Reason is in some degree given to all men, and Cicero says that whoever has reason has right reason, that virtue is perfect reason, and that all nation, nations, having reason for their guide, all nations are capable of arriving at virtue. We could all do it. For this reasoning of his, it would follow that every people are capable of making laws and making good laws. Now listen. Please follow along. Letter number 42. Laws where they are bad are gained by corruption, faction, fear, and surprise. Why do we end up with bad laws? For when we could, every Congress, you understand, could abide by the constitutional authority given to it. They could do that. Every man in the House of person in the house of rep no, man in the house of representatives in the white house they could all abide by the constitutional limits on their power they choose not to and every one of those men put their hand on a bible and swore to god that they would abide by those limits so they're tyrants they're corrupt they're lawbreakers and they're blasphemers not not things you want said of you and they could but they could make good laws you see everybody has this ability they could make good laws they choose not to and why why do we end up he says with bad law corruption check faction that means political parties check fear check surprise check right corruption parties Let's indict somebody. Let's make up a thing. What? Let's make up a thing that it's wrong to do and indict that guy for. I don't care what you think about Trump. I don't care. No respecter of persons, man. But that stuff is bogus that they indicted him for. And I don't care that you don't like him, man. He's done stuff that's unlikable. But you can't use your party. You cannot weaponize a political party to punish an individual. There are literally constitutional prohibitions on that. That's called a bill of attainder. You know what? We don't like that dude. Let's make up a law and indict him for it. That's called faction, political party, corruption, fear. Guess what, guys? They blew up some stuff in New York, so they're coming for us. They hate us for our freedom. Mm, do they, though? I think they probably hate us for the missiles we shoot down at their weddings and stuff. But they hate us for our freedom. And so in order to be free, we have got to build this surveillance network where we record everybody's electronic communications. We've got to because we've got to find these terrorists. we got to beat them before they get us and take our freedom from us. 
Yeah, I've never, you know, terrorists don't take, the only terrorists take my freedom are the terrorists in Congress and the White House and the Supreme Court. Okay? The perverts on the Potomac do way more than the terrorists on the Tigris to offend my rights. Fear. They love it. Guys, there's so much corruption and crime in the streets. There's so much, just so many babies dying. There's so many people killed. We've got to make these weapons illegal. We can't have weapons of war in the hands of civilians. If the government is disarming you, let me, let me clue you in on this. It has nothing to do with your safety. It has nothing to do with crime. It has to do with the fact that they know they're about to do something to you that if you had weapons, you would use them to resist that thing. It's called history. So when there are bad laws, why? Corruption, political parties, fear, and surprise. What? It's against the law to dig a pond? Yeah, well, I didn't... No, when, since when? That doesn't make any sense. Surprise! The acts... Now listen to this. Oh my... Oh my... Oh... Come on now, I'm getting a Holy Ghost, y'all. We got... Let's get together. Come on, right here. Mind meld. Mind meld. The acts of Caesar were confirmed by the Senate and the people. Did that make them laws? Because the Senate said, yeah, all right. Yep. And the people said... Yes, Caesar, we'll put a mask on. Yes, Caesar, we'll close our business. Yes, Caesar, we won't go to church. Did that make those things laws? The Senate was awed, meaning frightened, because he had an army to back him up. And the people and their representatives were bribed. Uh, don't you want a stimulus check? If I went up to you and I said, look, I'm going to take your business away, but guess what, buddy? I'm going to give you $1,200. Right now. You don't have to work for it. In fact, if you do work, you don't get You see what I'm saying? The acts of Caesar were confirmed by the Senate and the people, but the Senate was afraid, and the people and their representatives were bribed. Arms and money weapons and money procured him a law to declare him above the law but the most pompous power can never unsettle the everlasting landmarks between good and evil no more than those between pleasure and pain caesar remained a rebel to his country and his acts remained wicked and tyrannical period because Congress carries it out because the Supreme Court says it's so doesn't change the eternal landmarks between good and evil. Caesar was the rebel, not Brutus. Caesar was the one who declared himself above the law. Caesar remained a rebel to his country and his acts remained wicked and tyrannical regardless of of what the Senate, the tribunes, and the people did. Obedi- Forget it. It doesn't make those things 
not wicked and tyrannical because the landmarks between good and evil are everlasting. Whoo! Someone needs to tell me off right now. Laws are not always the measure of right and wrong. As positive laws often speak when the law of nature is silent, the law of nature sometimes speak when the positive law says nothing. Not by opinion, but by nature, right is established. That brave Roman Horatius Cocles was bound by no written law to defend the wooden bridge over the Tiber against the whole army of the Tuscans. Nor was there any law that I know of in Rome against adultery. There wasn't when the younger Tarquin ravished Lucretia. You know Tarquin, remember, raping Lucretia? And yet the virtue of Horatius was justly rewarded and the vileness of Tarquin justly punished by the Romans. The law of nature is the law, guys. If something is right, you do it. If it's wrong, you don't. If someone does right, we reward them. If they do wrong, we punish them regardless of what's in a bloody code book regardless of what some black-robed octogenarian says, regardless of what some senile occupant of a marble palace in Washington, D.C. says. Right is right, right, wrong is wrong, the landmarks between those are everlasting, and we don't need a law to tell us those things. There was no law instructing Horatius to protect his family by standing there at that bridge there was no law against adultery when Tarquin raped Lucretia but guess what he still got run out of town it is impossible to devise laws sufficient to regulate and manage every occurrence and circumstance of life and in every condition of life men must have and will have great allowances made to their own natural liberty and discretion but every man we, we're free do your thing man you should feel free to do your thing you should not have to go to an office and fill out a form because you want to put a roof on your bloody porch because you want to dig a hole in your backyard. Because you shouldn't have to be told you have to uh, evacuate your house because when the inspector comes, your stairs are more than nine inches tall. Or, do you know what I'm saying? We have to make great allowances for our own natural liberty and discretion do your thing man unless it hurts another person or the property of another person do the dang thing in a free society every man who consents to the necessary terms of society will also consent to the proposition that every man should do all the good and prevent all the evil that he can we should be wasting and wearing out our lives doing good and preventing evil if we know the fact that we sit by and let our government become so corrupt that Caligula is embarrassed says nothing about those tyrants and everything about us every man 
consents to the proposition that you should do all the good and prevent all the evil. This is the voice of the law of nature, and all men would be happy if all men would practice it. The law leads, this law leads us to see, this law that's the voice of, the law of nature, the voice of the law of nature saying do good, punish evil. This law leads us to see that the establishment of falsehood and tyranny cannot justly be called law which is the impartial rule of good and evil and can never be the sanction of evil. I don't care how many bloody COVID variants that people pretend there are. I don't even care if they actually exist. There is no authority for you to tell me to wear a mask, to not go to church. If the pastor shuts down the church, that pastor is supporting tyranny. Go to church. Do not wear the mask. Don't do this again. Tyranny cannot be called law. I'm skipping a lot because I know I'm getting close to an hour or right at an hour. The two great laws of human society from whence all the rest derive their course and obligation are those of equity and self-preservation. Equity. We're all equal and self-preservation. By the first, equity, all men are bound alike not to hurt one another. And by the second, self-preservation, all men have a right to defend themselves. It is a maxim of the law that whatever we do in the way for the ends of self-defense, we do lawfully. You come at me to take my life, liberty, and property. Whatever I do in defense of that is lawful, period. All the laws of society are entirely reciprocal, and no man ought to be exempt from their force, and whoever violates this primary law of nature ought, do you understand, if someone punishes someone for defending his life, liberty, and property, that person ought, by the law of nature, to be destroyed. If you make it against the law for me to enforce the law of nature by protecting my life, the life of my family, my liberty, and my property, then you, sir, have violated the law and ought to be destroyed. He who observes no law forfeits the all title to the protection of the law. It is wickedness not to destroy a destroyer. Guys, if you don't see, you ain't wanting to see. You're like those dwarves at the end of the last battle in Narnia. This is terrible. He's giving us this slop. We're giving them the best feast. They don't want to see it. Aslan, tell them. doesn't matter if I tell them. They don't want to see it. It is wickedness not to destroy a destroyer. Is there anyone destroying our life, liberty, and property today? It is wickedness not to destroy a destroyer. And listen, this is why they finally said, these dairy farmers said, guys, if they're coming to destroy, it's wickedness not to try and defend ourselves. I know I don't want to. No, I do not want to get out there and get shot at by a professional soldier. But I also do not want to be wicked 
Because guess what? If I get shot at by that professional soldier defending my family and my property and my liberty, and if I die, that's a pretty sweet express train to heaven. It is wickedness not to destroy a destroyer, and all the ill consequences of self-defense are chargeable upon him who occasioned them. If you make me defend my life, liberty, and property, it's on you for what happens to you. And if you make it a crime for me to protect myself against you, then that is wickedness, and it is on you all the ill consequences. Whatever happens to you, lawmaker, you deserve. It is wickedness not to destroy a destroyer. To allow a license to any man to do evil with impunity is to make vice triumph over virtue and to make innocence the prey of the guilty. If any man may destroy whom he pleases without resistance, he may extinguish the human race without resistance. For if you settle the bounds of resistance, you allow it. Meaning, if you decide that you can't resist such laws, then you've allowed those things to happen, and you are as guilty as the destroyer because you made the destruction possible by doing nothing to resist it. And you leave property at the mercy of rapine and, and life in the hands of cruelty. It is said that the doctrine of resistance would destroy the peace of the world. If we let people go around just resisting the law, then we'll never have peace. We'll have anarchy and chaos. Lies. It may be more truly said that the contrary doctrine would destroy the world itself as it has already some of the best countries in it. To say that we don't have the natural right to resist tyranny is to say that tyranny is good and is to say that we don't care about life, liberty, and property because the doctrine of resistance is the doctrine of peace and to say we do not have the right to resist tyranny would destroy the world itself as it has already destroyed some of the best countries in it may our country the best of all the countries not be the next destroyed by tyrants and by our re refusal to resist them by any means necessary. Thank you guys.